morning. You all here with me? You made it, right? Yeah, it's cold. Pastor John's not here because he was too cold to come. I'm just kidding. That's funny, guys. That's funny. We can all laugh at that. Someone asked JJ last week, is your wife really that funny? Yes, I really am that funny. I'm a funny person. I make everyone laugh. That's not really why Pastor John isn't here. I felt on my heart just, um, I had a two-part message in with them being gone. He got back Friday. So um, what a great time for them to come back from Hawaii, right? Like they picked the wrong, I feel like this was going to be the week to miss, not the 50, 60 degree weather. Well, I guess it wasn't really 60s, but 50s, they picked the wrong time. But they're back and Pastor John will be back here next week, ready to go in this series. Um, but I just felt like the Lord had something specific to Jubilee. So this isn't just like a message to throw out for all. I really feel like this is a word that God gave me for Jubilee, for the people of this church. And I um, didn't want to keep you here for like two and a half hours last week. So you're welcome. I'm a kind person like that. Uh, and asked if I could have another week to uh, elaborate on it. So I do need to ask though, who lasted through Quitter's Day? Okay. We talked about this last week. Did you, did you, did you partake in Quitter's Day? I told you today, I was like, I don't even get to be considered a quitter because you have to start something to be able to quit something, right? Who are my people out there? Did you? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's how I feel. And I will get to it in 2025 or 2026 or when my children are grown. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but we are currently in a series called Fresh Start, right? And talking about just the fresh start for 2024. And I just believe God has really incredible things for 2024. And I, hit on that last week, just that whole idea of the good things that God has for Jubilee. But I think there's something that is required of us in having that, and it's the faith, right? And last week I talked about the whole idea of the Israelites, and they're in Egypt, and they need to find their freedom first. Like, before we can focus on anything else, we need to be freed from the things that hold us back. And it was all about, if you didn't listen, it was about finding that freedom and how to, how to keep that freedom, not to walk back to the land of Egypt. But there's a whole other part of this um, part of the story that I didn't get to, and it's the promised land. The, the whole thing is leading up to the promised land, but here's what you, we need to recognize with the promised land is they had to contend and fight for their promised land, right? They had to, it wasn't just a cakewalk. It wasn't peachy. They didn't just walk in and like everyone was like, here you go, have this land. We'll see you later, right? That's not what they experienced at all. There was a battle that had to be fought for that land. And I think we oftentimes think, all right, we've gone through the desert and we've worked really hard and we're no longer in Egypt. And now we get to just walk into the promised land. And yes, you do get to walk into the promised land and now you get to fight for the promised land, right? And we're, we're, we're mistaking um, what God's will for us is if we don't understand that there's a battle to be fought for the land that God has for you for the place that God wants to bring you, for the blessing that God has for you, we will have to fight for that thing. And it's not just a one-time thing. This is, this, is how, this is what life here looks like right now, right? It is the battle fought for the promised land. I mean, even if we do take the Israelites as an example, are they not still fighting for this land? 
Are they not still battling for this? They're still battling for this promised land. And if that's the example God gives to us, then maybe we need to look and go, okay, maybe it's not that I'm doing something wrong. Maybe it's not that God doesn't love me or God isn't faithful to me. Maybe it's that I have to contend for the thing that God has promised me. And so today I want to talk about that. And I think the greatest area that we have to recognize of how we're going to win the fight for the promised land is in faith. We have to have faith in the thing that God gave us, faith in the promise that the Lord has spoken. And without it, we will never walk into the promised land the way he designed for us to. I mean, the Israelites have to go in faith, believing that they're going to win the battles. Right? Everything's up against them. They've wandered in the desert for 40 years. They've come out of Egypt. All sorts of bad things have happened. But they have to take this leap of faith, recognizing, all right, God, you, you are who you say you are. You fulfill your promises. So I'm going to believe that you also will not leave me and you will not forsake me in this. That you will give me this land. That even if I fight, and even if it's a fight till my dying breath, Lord, you are faithful to me. Like, I was thinking, it's his responsibility to be faithful. It's our responsibility to have faith. Right? Like, he's called to be faithful to us, and he doesn't disappoint in that. But we have to understand our responsibility is to have faith in his faithfulness. To have faith in that and to hold on to that. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of realities not seen. Faith is not what you see. Faith is not bargaining with God and going, Okay, God, if you show me that you are on my side, if you give me a sign today that you really did speak this thing to me, then I'll listen to you. That's not faith. That's not what's required of us. Faith is hearing God's word and walking in that word without seeing what's going to happen next. It's the reality of something we can't see, but it doesn't mean it's not a reality, right? It is true and it is happening. It's just not what we can see with our own eyes. For by it, the elders received commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen did not come from anything visible. There is so much power in what that's saying. It's saying that God created out of word, not out of what is seen, but out of what is spoken, out of the faith in believing that thing, that that's where something is created. And that power lives in us. We just sang many songs about this. That the power that was, that was given to Jesus, like he hands to us. Like we walk in this freedom. We walk in this power. The Holy Spirit guides us and leads us. And we have that power now living inside of us. And so we shouldn't fear the battle ahead. We should have faith for what God's going to do in the battle. And so as I was preparing this, I think I could go all day, right, talking about, like, here's all the places that we should have faith. But I like really um, t 
tangible messages, right, that are really applicable. I hate going in and just being like, well, that was really great information. What do I do with that, right? Like sometimes, have you experienced that kind of, you're like, I don't know what to do with that. So I want to give you three really hands-on places that God has called us to have faith. And I think these, I'm focusing on these three specifically because I felt like the Lord has something for Jubilee in these three areas and in these three things, that God wants to do something with our faith in these places. And he wants our faith to rise to where he's at. He doesn't want his expectation and what he wants to do come down to our level. He wants us to come up to his level. He wants us to rise to the occasion, to rise to what he has. So here's three areas that we should have faith. And the first one is this, faith for healings. Faith for healings. I think I was, I was going over my message yesterday before I came to church and the Lord gave me this really wonderful uh, word and it, it's this, do not allow your past disappointment to dictate your future faith. So maybe you were sitting in this room and maybe to you, you're like, yeah, I don't want to pray into this anymore. I've been so discouraged. I've been so beat down and I feel no hope left. I have no faith for what God can do. And I just felt like the Lord was like, you you are allowing your disappointment to dictate the faith of what I can do. And we can't allow yesterday, right? And the circumstance that happened yesterday to change what we believe in for today and the faith that we have for today. I have a, um, we have an eight-year-old son. He's almost nine. Ezra, for those of you who know him, he's just, I don't know how to do He's just like sweet. Like he's just, there's just not a bad bone in his body. Like he prayed before service for all of you actually. And like it, the, the relationship with he, that he has with the Lord puts most adults to shame. I like really mean that. Like he, he challenges me in my life and in my faith. And he went through this season, I'm trying to think, he's probably five, so three years ago. And he just like had it, he, he loves to pray for healing to like to this day. And I honestly, like I go to him all the time. Like if I have a headache, if I have like anything, like I just go to this little boy because he, it's not like he doesn't struggle with the disappointment. It's not even, it doesn't even register to him. Like God wouldn't heal you. And his only solution to it is, well, if he didn't heal you this time, we just need to pray again right? Like that's his answer to it. I didn't teach him that. Like that, he just, he is a a little boy turning slowly into a man of faith. Like God has given him this incredible gift of faith and it's contagious when you're around him, right? Have you ever been around someone who just has this like unbelievable level of faith? That's my son. Like he just encourages you in your faith. And so a couple years ago, he was like really on this like desire to pray for people for healing. And it, I don't like attention specifically with strangers. And I already get a lot of attention. I have four children. Like I'm already an anomaly when I go out, right? It's like, and I, I look, I'm small. I look young. And so I get asked all the time, oh, you're the nanny. No, I'm not the nanny. They're all mine. Like they all came from, nope, they're, they're mine. And so like, and they're crazy. Okay. Like I they're running around. Shia, our youngest, like refuses to go in the car and he's my fourth. What do I care? Like, fine. You want to throw a fit? That's fine. Go ahead. Throw yourself on the floor. I don't care. Right. Like I don't care anymore. I've already proven my worth with Ezra. Like, like I got it with the oldest. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? And so anyway, 
we would go out to like the mall or we would go to Target because that's where I spend most of my days. And like he would just pray for people. Like he would watch like somebody fall down. He's like, I got it. Don't like, I'll be back. I'm like, oh, oh, well, well, are you going to be back? We like ran into this old man one time and I think he had hearing aids and he's like, I'm going to go pray for him. And I'm like, well, uh, are you though? Cause uh, there's just a lot going on right now. And he's like, I got it. I'm going to go pray for him. Or like he saw someone in a wheelchair and he's like, Hey, I'm going to go pray that they can walk. And like, that stretches my faith. That makes me uncomfortable. Right? Like that makes me, uh, oh, I don't believe that that person's going to walk again. And then I don't want to deal with a disappointment. And the Lord's like, you had it all wrong. Your son is in the right place right now. And it was this really humbling like experience. Our daughter one time fell in the middle of the mall. Like it just ate it hard. And she's like, she's very dramatic. Like just, she's the only girl. And she lets us all know that. And she's just really dramatic. Like I did this morning, I wanted to put her hair up in a ponytail and she just starts bursting into tears and goes, oh, I just miss Nana and Papa. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that has nothing to do with your hair right now. She goes, it does. It has everything to do with that. And I was like, you know what? Let's leave your hair down. And it is, it's down right now. Um, but she like falls in the mall. She's screaming. She's wailing. Like I have all these people around us and I'm like, you're fine. You're fine. And I was like, dear Lord, I just pray in the name. Like he is shouting it. There's like 20 people around us. And I am just like huddled down. Like it's, I'm like, okay, where's your father at for these things? Every mom who's ever gone shopping thinks that, right? But I just, it was this encouraging thing, this like level of faith that like, God, you've constructed us to pray for healing. I'm going to pray for healing. And I'm not just gonna pray for healing. I have faith, God, that you will heal whoever I pray for. That if I find someone in a wheelchair, they'll get up and walk. And yes, like he, he's not, like he has seen people not be healed. It doesn't discourage him from continuing to pray for it. And that should be our heart, that no matter what has happened in the past, it shouldn't discourage us from continuing to pray for healing, to continue to have faith that God wants to heal you. Just like I talked about with Moses, he had to go to Pharaoh seven times. Sometimes it takes more than one prayer to see things change, to see things happen. And the Bible is very um, specific in telling us, do not stop asking. If you want something, don't stop asking. Contend for that thing. Fight for your promised land. Fight for your promised land. So Mark 5, 24 through 34 says this, and a great crowd followed him, Jesus, and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. In fact, all three today that I'm going to share are my favorite stories. But this woman is in a terrible place. She is risking her life. She's, not supposed, she's bleeding. She's not supposed to be out. Right? Jewish culture, she's not supposed to. It's not like it is now. She's not supposed to be in public. She's supposed to be separated. And she is risking. Because have you been in that place? The desperation, desperate people do desperate things. And I think sometimes God is looking for the desperation. Are you willing to put it all on the line to see the thing you want done? 
Do you have enough faith that even if everything else you have to sacrifice, like you're willing to fight for the thing that God has promised you? And this is where this woman is at. Like she's like, either I get it or I don't, but I can't live this way anymore. She's worse off than when she started. She's lost all her money. She has nothing at this point. So then it says this, she heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. That's amazing. Like we glance over that and we gloss over and we're like, oh, wow, that was really cool. I need us to to understand something in this, though. It doesn't say she saw Jesus heal. It doesn't say she watched with her eyes and had faith that God was going to do this thing. It says she what? She heard. She heard of what Jesus was doing. And that's what faith looks like. It is not in seeing what, uh, what Jesus has done for others necessarily. It's in hearing the word of the Lord and having faith in that thing. And she understands this. She understands it so much that she's like, I don't even need to touch him. I just need to touch the clothes he's wearing. I just need to touch this tiny part. And I have full faith that he can heal me. That he can't make me just better for a little bit. No, that he gives full healing when he heals. Like that's his desire for us. And Jesus perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? There are many, he's walking, right? He's in a crowd. He like, there are many, many people grabbing at Jesus in this moment. It's not like on a deserted path and the like disciples are, disciples are flanking him. He is like being, it's almost like uh, rock stars who walk out, right? And they're like all grabbing at this like, oh my gosh, if I could just touch this person. I don't understand that. But I do understand it with Jesus. If I could just touch this person. They're all touching him. What makes her different? Her faith, right? It's her faith in this. And the thing that I love about this is she understands I don't even need permission from Jesus to be healed because Jesus is a healer. He cannot deny himself, church. He cannot deny himself. So when you're in his presence, he's a healer. And when you're touched by him, he's a healer, just like he is loved. So when you're in your presence, you're loved by him. He he denies himself if he denies those things, right? Right? Like in his presence, he is these things. And he does, she doesn't have to go, well, Jesus, I was really nice and I did a really good job and I've lived my life good and I've done all these things. All she needs to do is touch him. All she needs to do is grab his clothes and she's healed. And Jesus is looking around going, who touched me? Like, tell me, who touched me? And I love this. The disciples are always so passive aggressive with Jesus, right? Like they're always trying to like school him. Like, uh, Jesus, I don't know if it's just like insecurity. Like they're trying to like one up Jesus. Like (laughs) you didn't get it this time. Like we were right. And they never are. 
Okay, so like again, it's this moment that they're trying to like subtly be like, yeah, you're kind of crazy. And his disciples said to him, "Uh, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? Like, I love that. They're like, everyone's touching you. Like, Like you are literally being touched all around. But here's the thing. This woman is who he's looking for in this moment. And I love it because I think like she has two opportunities for faith actually in this situation. The first is the faith in believing that she can heal, that he can heal her. But the second part of this is deciding to stay. Because she has an option to sneak away, right? Like he's still looking and yes, he's Jesus. Like he's obviously Jesus, like he knows all things. But he is also giving her an opportunity to show her faith. Because she has done something wrong, right? She's not supposed to be here. But the beautiful thing that she understands is the presence of Jesus is better than anything else I'll experience. And it's worth my life. The presence of Jesus is better than anything else I'll experience. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. What a brave woman. What a woman of faith. This woman has suffered for 12 years. It's not like she went a week with pain. 12 years. And she could have walked away and been like, I'm healed, like I'm good. But she gets better than the healing is Jesus. Better than anything else is Jesus. And he said to her daughter, it's your faith. Your faith has made you well. He doesn't chastise her. He doesn't say, how dare you? No, he's proud of her in this moment. God is looking for people who are bold in their faith. And sometimes it's messy, and sometimes we make mistakes, and sometimes we don't do it the right way. But the thing is, God is so attracted to our boldness and faith. He loves it. He wants it. He desires it from us. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So this is really awesome, right? This like whole story about this healing that happened 2,000 years ago. Okay. God is still healing today. And God is healing in Jubilee. So I called Kathy Melson um, up this week. And uh, she, she runs our prayer. And she also does a really incredible ministry called Healing Place. Have you guys been? It's amazing. Yeah. And so she, I asked her, I said, hey, I believe God, God, is do, God is doing incredible things at Jubilee. And I want to share because faith comes by. So hear what God is doing at Jubilee. Hear of the healings that are happening in this church right now in the last few months. There was a woman healed of Hodgkin's lymphoma. After prayer, she went for a doctor's appointment and she was taken off a treatment because the cancer was gone. Like that's not like I scratched my hand and it was healed and it felt a little better. We, oh, do I want to say this? We water down sometimes God's healing because we are like afraid of the failure of like, well, what if it doesn't happen, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like we, we tell these like little things and we're like afraid of it when God wants to do the big healings too. Like, yes, he can heal your scratch or yes, he can take away your headache, but he can also heal cancer. Yeah. 
He can also heal cancer. Um, a man that was on kidney dialysis was healed and taken off of dialysis. A man who suffered from a stroke was healed. His vision had been affected by the stroke so that he no longer had peripheral vision in either eye. After he received prayer, he had his peripheral vision restored in his left eye. Like, come on. A man who had rheumatoid arthritis was healed, and the healing was confirmed by a doctor at the Mayo Clinic. These are not just things that people are just like saying. They are, they're going back to their doctors, and their doctors are like, we don't know what to do with you. You're healed. So much so, let me tell you this incredible story. This woman last night came, and she came up to Kathy right out. Oh, it's going to make me cry. She was diagnosed with stage 4 stage four breast cancer, and it spread through the rest of her body. She had a tumor growing on her spine and was like on all sorts of treatment for it. And so she had come not one time, but multiple times, correct? Twice to healing place. She is completely healed. The cancer is gone. The tumor is gone. Like our God wants to do big things, but he wants you to have big faith in those things. He wants us to seek out those things. He doesn't want us to stop one time. He wants us to continue to seek out the thing, to not be discouraged, to not go, well, you didn't do it yesterday, so you won't do it today. That isn't the approach we need to take to our faith. Because I think it reveals in that, that your faith is going to be, it's, it's capable of being moved. And that's not the faith he wants from us. And I love it because those aren't even stories that are like happening in, in America. No, those jubilee church. Those are jubilee miracles happening. Which means it can happen for you. I felt for this weekend and at the end of the close, like part of it is I, I feel like God wants to heal. God wants to heal you. He wants to do that this year. He, I, I, I told Kathy last night, I feel like it's the year of healing. Like, I really do. I just feel like it's the year of healing that God wants to heal. And you know what? In hearing this, your faith should be rising right now. It should be stirred up. That It's not just in this room that God wants to do those things. God wants to do those for your neighbors. The thing I loved so much about when Ezra would go and run off and pray for people, they were not saved. He didn't know. He didn't know. Like it was, it didn't even come across his mind. Like, is someone going to think this is weird? He didn't care because he knew at the end of it, someone's going to be excited to be healed. Right? Like he got that. Like he was like, that's the greatest testament of who God is as that God wants to heal. Not just you who serves him, but he wants to heal those who don't. Because what greater way to bring someone to who God is than watching them be healed and then able to say, now let me tell you about your savior right? Like this is what he wants to do. He wants to break out and he wants us to have a boldness that when we lay hands on people, they'll be healed so that our faith should stir and it should rise to that place. The second area that I think we need to have faith, and this is, this is going to be the one I think that is probably, it's the hardest area for sure to have faith is faith when it doesn't happen. Because there are times, right, that we're not healed. That isn't, though, 
because God isn't a healer. And it isn't because God's character doesn't remain true. It's because we live in a fallen world. And so sometimes we will have disappointment. But Jesus is asking us, will your faith still stay steady? Will it endure even when the answer has been no? And you're like, well, that's really easy for you to say. It's really not. I've walked through some hard things in my life, as I'm sure we all have. I've lost a baby. That's not easy. And, and when you miscarry, like, it's, it's, it really stinks to miscarry because it's not just like you walk in and it's a for sure thing. They make you come back days later to make sure that that's happening, right? If anyone, if you've been through this. And those days in between waiting are complete agony, are they not? They're torture. Waiting to know, like, is my baby alive or not here anymore? And I remember... <clears throat> When it happened, JJ and I got down on our knees and we prayed nonstop for days. God, please don't take this baby from us. Please don't take this baby. Like, I want this baby more than anything else. Like, please don't take this baby. Not my baby. And that prayer wasn't answered. Like, I did miscarry. Even though I had the faith, I believe you can do this, the prayer still wasn't answered. But I had a choice in that after. Do I choose to believe, well, God, then you're a failure and you actually can't do this? Or God, do I choose to believe you are still faithful and you are still good? You are still holy and you are still a healer, even if it wasn't in this circumstance. My Aunt Brenda, I've talked about it, and Terry has too. She died of cancer. Do you know how many people were praying for her healing? I used to go and lay in bed with her, with my children, because I loved her so dearly. She was like a mother figure to me. And to watch someone you love slowly deteriorate like that is not easy. It is not easy. So I do know, like I do know, I have, I, I know, I know that this is hard. But our answer shouldn't be to turn away from faith and to blame God and go, well, you're not good. That cannot be the solution to what we're dealing with and the disappointment that this world will inevitably bring to each and every one of us. I think the hardest thing about being a parent is knowing that one day I cannot protect my children from the pain of this world. Like it it crushes me to think that I won't be able to always fix their hurts and their pains. I think God feels that way for us. It's not always going to be like that. And we live in a fallen world. And as much as that's awful, it is not God who is awful. It is not God who is to blame for that. My dad, he was teaching JJ and I just in um, leadership, and he said something so profound, and it stuck with me, and I think it's just as applicable to leadership, but also to faith. And he said this, the quickest way to see what's in someone's heart is to tell them no. 
Like, you want to see what's going on here? Tell them no. You want to see what's in your kid's heart? Say no, just to say no. They'll show you really quick. Like, it reveals, I think sometimes it reveals to us, even when we're not aware ourselves, what's inside here, where our faith is at, what's going on. Because when it's good and when it's easy, oh, it's so easy to have faith. You just watch someone get healed, it's easy to have faith. It's easy to keep believing. It is not easy to believe and it is not easy to have faith when you've been told no to the prayer you've been asking. When the disappointment has come in. And the test, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? So Daniel 3, 13 through 18 says this. Furious, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're living in Babylon. They're in captivity. Nebuchadnezzar's king. And he's like all of a sudden decided to make up this really nice rule that everyone's going to bow down and praise these false idols, right? To pray, to worship. And this goes against what the Israelites believe in practice. This is, this is a no-no. They learned this as we learned last week in the desert. We don't, don't do that. God is not happy with that. Even if it risks your life, God is not happy with that. Don't do it. Don't bow to other gods. So this is what happens. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now will you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, a lot of music, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then this mocking thing that he says, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hands? They are faced right now with a choice, immediate. Like they don't have time to go back and pray about it and like think about it. It's life or death in this situation. What are you going to do? They're, they're about to reveal their hearts, right? Like, are you really willing to put your faith on the line? Are you really willing to, get, to forsake all else to follow Jesus, to follow after God? They have to make this decision right here in this point. And this part of the scripture uh, it's, it, is, it is truly one of the most powerful parts that we have in our Bible. And it says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. You don't need to defend yourself. Like, hear that, really. You don't need to defend yourself to the world. You don't need to defend what you are doing and what God is doing. Like, God can defend himself. And so they're saying, we don't need to defend why we do what we do. Like, you don't practice and you don't believe in the God we believe in, and I don't need to defend myself to you. What freedom in that, right? And then they say this, if we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is what? He is able. It's not that he will, it's that he is able. And there's a difference. They don't know. They believe and they have faith that God can, but they do not actually know, is God going to save us in this moment? But for them, they don't worship God because he's going to save them. They worship God because he is holy. They worship God because he is the king of kings. And we 
need to follow that example. We don't only worship him when he answers our prayers the way we want him to. We also serve him and worship him when our prayers are not answered. We do not need to, if we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. And then my favorite part of all this scripture, but even if he does not, but even if he does not, but even if he does not church, we have to live by that. Even if he doesn't, I will not, I will not give in. We want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up for us. Even if he doesn't answer my prayer, I won't bow to this world. Even if he doesn't come through on the thing I'm asking, I will not deny that he is faithful. Even if he doesn't, I will still worship you. Even if he doesn't, I will have faith in you. But if not, God, you are good. But if not, God, you are holy. But if not, God, I serve you. We went to Israel in August, and JJ and I, there's a really cool tattoo shop. If you don't like tattoos, I'm sorry. I have a lot of them. It's okay. We can still be friends. It's fine. But when we were there, I, this scripture is, it's always been one of my favorites since I was a little kid. And so I went in and I was like, I want you to, in, in a, another version, it's but if not. And so right here, which I, you can't really see. Oh, there. Last, you guys got it tonight. So it's right here. And it's in Hebrew. And it says, but if not. And the guy looked at me. He's like, that's not complete. And I was like, I know. And he was like, that was, let's add more to it. And I was like, I don't need to. <laughs> It's okay. I don't need to defend myself to you, right? But for me to have that on my body as a reminder, I will not bow. I will not bow to this world. I will not give in to this world, no matter the circumstance I'm faced with, no matter the disappointment that comes my way, because it will. But if not, you're still good, God. But if not, you're still good. I have to, we have to remind ourselves of that. But if not, you're still good. But if not, do you still have faith? What does faith look like after the massive disappointment? Maybe this is where we can learn in the greatest place possible of God's faithfulness to us. Is when everything else has been stripped away. that we realize what the woman who was bleeding understood, what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood, was that greater than anything else is the presence of God. And wherever that is, is where I want to be, whether in this life or the next. That is where I should spend my time and my focus and my talent and my treasure is chasing after that. And all other gifts flow from that. And then the third place, and I feel, I'm excited for this. I feel like God has something really incredible for Jubilee this year. The fresh start for Jubilee, it's this, it's faith in the miraculous. Faith in what God can do. Faith to believe that God can do the impossible. 
Because again, we're not going to allow past disappointments to dictate future faith. So we need to begin to have faith. I think sometimes we're asked, like, well, why, does, why don't things happen in America? We're really comfortable in America. I think sometimes we don't need to lean on our faith. We lean on our finances. We lean on our connections. We lean on the things that are given to us instantly here in America, right? And maybe that's part of it. Is like we are not desperate for the faith that some people in the world need to have to survive each day. And I think part of it too, if I'm completely honest, is we're kind of numb. I think we hear so many stories and we see so many things and we spend so much time on our phones and so much time watching and numbing and numbing and numbing ourselves that we become numb. And God wants to wake us up. God wants to begin to breathe new life into us that our faith for the impossible can really happen. That God wants to do something with your faith. And collectively, God wants to do something with our faith. So my question for you is this, what does faith look like when we pray for the miraculous? What does that look like? How do we participate in that? Exodus 14 and starts at 21 says this, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and waters were divided. So we're going back. I talked all about the Israelites last week and I want to finish with the Israelites and the faith for the impossible that they had. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And then it goes on after that. But God splits the Red Sea for the Israelites, right? It's like the sea is split and it's dry ground that they're walking on. So this is like an incredible story in Exodus that we see. Like this, this desperation, God, you have to do something. So please do it. Okay, I'm going to share a story that you're not going to find in Exodus, okay? So hear me right now. You're not gonna go home and find this in Exodus. It is not in our Bible, right? So please don't come find me and say, I looked that up, that wasn't there. I know, I know, I already know. But there's something called the Talmud. And it is what the rabbinic Jews practice. It is where they find their law for how to live life. And there's a story in it that I want to tell you. Is that okay? Can we get a little out of the box today? If you were like, I don't want to believe that. That's okay. It's fine. It really plays some of my message. Like, it's okay. Can you have a little faith that also things happened, right? Okay. So there was this man named Nakshan. And he is the brother-in-law of Aaron and the prince of the tribe of Judah, according to the Talmud. Okay, so this is a well-known man in Israel. And I have never thought, as I've read through this story, like the Israelites are standing on the, right at where the sea is. And I've never thought, like, how did, like, what happened? It kind of skips and glosses over that. It's just like all of a sudden the sea is split. So the Talmud tells us this, that Nakshan was the first man who stepped into the sea. And I love that because the Lord showed me someone has to step into the sea first. Are you going to step into the sea? And so here is Nakshan, right? 
Now I get to, someone told me last night, they were like, I thought um, you were speaking. This looks like something Jake would use. (laughs) I was like, I can be creative too. Thank you. But Naxxon steps in and it says he was ankle deep into the sea. And picture this, right? So he's here and he stepped in and he's probably thinking, okay, split. Like all these people are behind him. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't know. And faith looks like that. I don't know what I'm doing. The woman who's bleeding doesn't know what she's doing. She's just having faith that it's going to work out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't know what's going to happen. God gives us only a little bit. He's got... (laughs) He's kind of mischievous, isn't he? Like, hey, like, here's the little portion and no details to the, the story of what he has for us, right? Just like, hey, go and do it. And you're like, so I, can I have steps one through 10 written out for me? But he steps in and nothing happens. And so he's like, maybe I need to go a little deeper. So he steps and he's knee depth at this point. And again, nothing happens. Like there's no movement to the sea. And I think in this moment, like if I put, if we put ourselves in this man's place, in action's place, like he has a choice right here. Like he's now getting wet. Right here's safe still. Like right here's comfortable. Like my feet are in the water, but like nothing's going to happen to me here. But here I'm starting to get a little wet. Like here, there's a little pressure being put on me. And I have a choice in this moment. And it's just two choices I can make. I can choose to go into the unknown. I can choose to walk into something. I have no clue what's going to happen. But only faith is going to pull me through it. Or I can go back to Egypt. Those are my two options in this point. I can choose to go forward. I can choose to go where God has called me to, or I can go back to the slavery that I once experienced. I can go back to the comfortable. I can go back to the mundane. I can go back to the thing that really never satisfied me and never fulfilled me. Or, or I can take another step. And action took another step. And he's waist deep at this point. Church, it's hard to get to this place. We should celebrate people who get here because behind him is a whole entire group of people probably laughing at him. What are you doing? You think you're the one who's going to start this? You think you're the reason your faith is going to get us through this? Yeah. It takes one person. It takes one place of faith. But this isn't enough for the big things God wants to do. This isn't the place he wants us to go. He wants us to come here. And the Talmud, I'm really short, sorry. It was on purpose because the Talmud tells us this. It was up to his nose. He's no longer breathing. It is here that God splits the Red Sea. And the, the, 
the beautiful metaphor of it is it's like, I'm either going to drown or you're going to save me. Because in all other places, in here, I have a choice. And in here, I have control. And in here, I have more control. And here, I'm fully in control. Here, I have no control over what happens. I'm fully submitting myself to God's will for my life in this place. And we are uncomfortable with that. We are uncomfortable with that fully submitting of ourselves. But here's the thing. We want the big miracle with the small faith. And God is saying, you want the big miracle? You want the impossible? You need to move yourself over here. You need to fully submit to what I'm doing and to trust in me, sink or swim. I will not part the sea over there at ankle depth faith. I will only part it when you're fully submerged. And out of that, you find your promised land. And out of that, that's where you understand that the fight was never really your fight. The beautiful thing in it is that the fight was his and his alone. And your whole responsibility is to have faith for the journey he's taking you on. So what would it look like for a church fully submerged? Not just one person. What if we all made the decision to come over here? Like truly, like what would it look like if we all came and we all lived life in the deep end of what God wanted to do? My friend gave me a word last year about Jubilee and she said we were all inside a pool and nothing was really happening. Like we were all hanging out on the outside of it. But there was one person who made the choice to jump in and the spirit of God broke out. And everyone all of a sudden was jumping in and God was doing the miraculous. And I think it is such a perfect picture. It takes one person to jump into the deep end. Are you willing to jump in? Are you willing to live life here? Because to be honest with you, this is actually the safest place you'll live, is in the center of what God has and what God wants for you. So as I come to my close, I wrote it like this. Jesus is looking for enduring faith, not big faith. He is looking for someone that continues to walk no matter what. I think we sometimes think, well, this is really big. Look at what I'm doing. Look at how amazing I am. But this faith over here, this faith only points to Jesus. Look at how amazing you are. Look at how good you are. Look at how faithful you are. And in all three of these stories, these people understood this. I will give up everything else to follow you. Like, this is what he's always asking of us. You want the fullness of life? Follow me. You want to be healed? Follow me. Like, my presence is better than all of it. And his goal is not that you follow him one day. And his goal is not that you have the big faith for a moment to see something happen. His goal is that you live a life of faith. That your life can be encapsulated in, they kept the faith. They kept the faith. And I know that because it tells us in 2 Timothy, Paul tells us in 4, 6 through 8, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure from this world is at hand, and I will soon go free. This man fully recognizes I will not live very much longer. 
But following Jesus is more than worth it. Like it's not even a thing for him at this point. Like he is so given in to living this life over here that he understands that where God takes him, whether in life or in death, like it's more than worth it. It's more than worth it. Comfort is not worth it. Jesus is worth it. And he says this, I have fought the good and worthy and noble fight. I love that version. It's not just good. It is worthy and it is noble to fight that fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the... This is so crucial to believing and in following Jesus is to keep your faith firmly guarding the gospel against error. In the future, there is reserved for me the victor's crown of righteousness for being right with God and doing right, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that great day. And then this, he includes us in this promise. And not only me, but also also to all those who have loved and longed for and welcomed his appearing. So here's the wonderful news for all of us, that no matter what happens on this earth, you keep the faith, there's a crown waiting for you in heaven. Like the healing we experience here, the miraculous we experience here, which yes, we should seek out, which yes, we should have faith for and believe in and and want. But I think we should want those things because we want to pull more people into the kingdom of heaven. Not just for selfish desires, but because we want to glorify God. And in doing that in eternity is really the thing our minds should be on. That even though I endure pain here, it is but a moment in comparison to the eternity with him. To the crown that you will receive there and then. And that is what we should seek and that is what we should pursue. So keep your faith. Don't let it be moved. So I want to close with this. We have a worship night on Wednesday night. Most people don't usually come, which is fine. Me and my children come. We like make up 50% of who's there. It's okay. But we were just praying. And I really think God wants to do something this different this year. And so this is not a guilt or a manipulation of trying to get you to come because we want people to come. I'm inviting you because I believe God has something there for you. And so we want to do a fast because we want to really reveal what's in here. Are you willing? God's constantly asking, are you willing? Are you willing to sacrifice food? Are you willing to sacrifice comfort? So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we'll break the fast on Wednesday with communion at the worship night in celebration and anticipation of what God's going to do. But if you want God to do something in your life, fast with us this, these next three days. It doesn't have to be food. I made the joke last night, I'm going to fast my children. I'm not. Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's music. I don't know. I'm not responsible. I'm not your judge. It's between you and God. Can you fast something for the next three days? And come. Come Wednesday night. Come be a part of, like, you, like, sit in there and you cheer and you're like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Come be a part of it then. 
at six o'clock. There's childcare for five and under, but I just really believe, like we're gonna have a moment for a time for healing. I really believe God wants to do something really special at this worship night. I'd love to see this room packed out, not because it's like, oh, it makes us feel really good to see a lot of people in here. No, because when more people are gathered, what kind of thing can God do with more and more people who have come to serve him, who have come to worship him? Like, what does that look like for a church that really is desperate for him? So if you'll pray with me, Father, I just thank you right now. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, God, that even when we waver, that even when our faith does not remain constant, you do remain constant, Jesus. You do remain steady. And so I pray right now for each and every person, this is applicable to all of us, may you raise our level of faith. May you raise it to where you are at, Father God. May we live our lives in the deep end, nose deep in the water and in anticipation of what you want to do, Jesus, of what you have for us, for faith for healing, faith when the answer is no, and faith for the miraculous, Jesus. Faith for those things. And God, I pray right now, if you are struggling and you need healing, in Jesus' name be healed. In Jesus' name be healed. By his stripes we are healed, so be healed in the name of Jesus. In faith may you be healed. I thank you for that, God. I thank you that we will walk out of here, Lord, with faith, Jesus, for what you want to do in us and through us, Jesus. In your name, amen.